Welcome to another episode of Meta Athletes the Playbook. We're bringing our coaches' insights directly to our community. And Coach B, um, there's some interesting things I want to get into with you. The first one is we had this conversation about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and then I, remember I, was that. Brought, I was brought to the, uh, me and my girlfriend went to go see, I forgot what it's called, Eras, Eras Tour, or it's her, it's her film that covers uh, some of these concerts that she's been to. And I was just sitting there and I was just thinking, there's a, a packed theater of people that came here to pay $25 to watch a concert. Like literally, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's really, really well produced. And um, I think obviously something that they had in mind while they were documenting, you know, all this content and documenting the whole, the whole series, but it was watching a concert. I was like to have this much demand, you know, for one person is, is legendary, you know, like crazy. not just, not just you know filling out concerts, um, selling out tickets, people rebuying tickets on secondary for you know ten x, fifteen, twenty x on on incredibly high ticket prices, but just the amount of demand to sell out all these stadiums and then have theaters across the nation also sold out like it, it's crazy. But I just wanted to bring that up, Coach B, because I think um, I saw a post I think it was yesterday or today that uh, she's done four billion in revenue. Yeah, you've been sharing a lot of us. Uh, it's crazy. Dude. Yeah. It is. It, it's it's impressive to say. It was it was eye opening for me to experience it, but also just you know what she's, you know, between the NFL, you know, making that huge debut oh and Storm, and now with her own, um, I mean, movie. It's really, right? it's, it's kind of like a movie. It's, it's a movie. Well, yeah, it's kind of built. You know, it's it's built like basically a, a concert showcase. Mm. You know, it's not like there's a storyline or anything like that, but it's really in depth and it really shows like. I think um, her as a person, but also, I mean, seeing all the media around it is is incredible. I mean, four billion, like she she changed the way that theaters, you know, could potentially be utilized for outside of Hollywood. And so, I don't know, it was really interesting. I thought it was just a nice little tack on to our our other conversations we've had around uh, Kelsey and, and Swift. Are you, are you turning into a Swifty? I wouldn't say I'm turning into a Swifty, <laughs> but I definitely, from like a business perspective, I mean, this is like, yeah, it's like you rarely it, see things like this that that makes such a cultural movement. But also, um, I just love to see things that are in this this type of demand, you know, like and for for legitimate reasons too, not just like a a flash in the pan viral meme sensation. I, those are cool. I enjoy those too. But uh, there's just something amazing about the the impact that she has and. You know, the camera's on her, the concert, it shows the audience, and there's just, like, the most ravenous fans of all time. It's, like, it's incredible to, to think that, um, you know, you could have that type of impact on people. And people going to multiple concerts. My girlfriend went multiple showings in the theater. And so, wow. you know, it's it's incredible demand that, that she's generating. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it just makes, you, makes you really think about, you know, just the business of a lot of these people as well. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a Swifty. I... I'm a fan. Yes. I think, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I respect it. Even from a young age, like I enjoy like her country music and things like that. But, um, but what's up with you, B? What's new with you? Not much, man. It's um, just busy with the, uh, the seasons are kicking off and um, some exciting times right now is um, I'm trying to work on, um, you know, planning a facility, right? Like that's the, uh, another aspect of, of like what I do in day to day is, trying to figure out, uh, researching different equipment companies, researching, mm -hmm. you know, making different contacts with, uh, with different vendors to try to 
get quotes, get numbers, um, try to formulate a plan of how could we make our training space a little bit more efficient. So um, outside of just like regular programming, but it's it's uh, it's a little bit different because you get to think a little bit creative, you know, creatively, yeah. and just trying to work on how do I design a space that's elegant, elite, um, you know, up to date from a te- technological standpoint in regards to training, but also efficient like um i know you'll come visit one day but like it's the, the way we the way we design our gym it's 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 really based on efficiency and trying to maximize the amount of people that we can get into a, a particular space but also make it make it feel like you're not on top of each other um some of that's the the, the artistry of like designing a training program to make, make it fit but also um you know i think i don't know if we've talked about it before but creating an environment where you feel welcomed creating an environment where you're um, encouraged to fail, create, creating an environment where you're, um, where you can accept challenges and creating an environment where you feel like you're going to get the best training that you can so you can, you know, develop the best that you can. And so we don't want to lose those things at all because, uh, as one of our former athletes, he's in pro hockey right now, he, he said, he's like, uh, when I told him that we're, I'm working on this, he's like, I don't want to lose the grittiness. I don't want to lose the, uh, the grittiness. It's not like, like a rusted, rusted old gym or anything like that, but it, it's um, we don't want to lose that because sometimes you can get a, like a really fancy weight room and fancy equipment, and and then um, we don't want to become bougie at all because that's change uh, a that, bit. Oh man, uh, it's, we, it's, it we sounds wanted to have that. It sounds silly, but um, there's a rink that popped up here. It's called Saint James, and it's like you know, like think of like super high end, like like this. Hundreds of millions of dollars went into this facility. Yeah. A huge facility, like definitely more upper class, you know, geared and centric than really high end stores. And um, I remember walking in the first time. I'm just like, this is not a rink. Like, like there's <laughs> there's there's like a legit valet in the front where like you can't stop there. Like you you got pull up oh, and come on. valet. And so I just remember like walking in. I'm just like, we cannot lose these. We cannot lose this team. Like this is not a rink. It, you know, like the rink needs to have that. Um, that little bit of like stench to it. Yes, it, it yeah. has been clean in a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> and um, I just remember walking in. But it's it's funny they mentioned that though because, you know, on one end you're like, man, this is such an incredible facility. But like almost from like a museum perspective of like, yeah. oh, it's amazing. You shouldn't be touching any of this. But um, but I could definitely see what that athlete's talking about. I think it's, you know, I don't know if you want to call like if that ties into the culture of it. But I think there is something to be said about like where you work and being in that place where, um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you're walking into it you're like, okay, this is a place of work versus, yeah. you know, like hop on the treadmill for a little bit and hop off and not really get a sweat in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a NARP gym that we're trying to cater <laughs> to by any means. You know, it's, uh, it's a place where we mean business and we want to get working. We also want to make sure that we have, you know, the best of the best to attract. Right. Cause that's the other thing of, of yeah. what we do is you got to be able to recruit, right. You got to be able to recruit. And yeah, to say state, state of the art. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but we often, it will always say that too. It's not about what we have, but it's about how we do it and about why we do it. That That's the key difference maker. So we don't, we don't want to lose that side of things, but we want to make sure that we can uh, keep up to date and, and design a, a little bit more of a elite facility to try to meet the demands of what we need to be able to accomplish on a daily basis. So that's, that's been taking the bulk of my, my time right now, but yeah, everything else is good. Exciting. Yeah, and we'll hop into today's episode. We have um, a couple of rapid fire questions from um, really just more of the, the parent perspective. Uh, a few questions that we have for uh, that are geared towards you know parents of youth athletes trying to find the balance, trying to find some understanding 
um, maybe get away from this kind of like new culture of, um, you know, having to spend and dish out so much money to kind of like how to get back to the basics because ultimately, and, and hearing it from you, I think is going to be the ultimate key is, you know, you're working with high end athletes that are also pro and, um, you know, you'll hear from them and, and understand that, you know, it doesn't always have to be the newest, the best. And it kind of translates to that conversation you just yeah. mentioned about, about the equipment too. But, um, but there are some things that, you know, new science, new studies, new things like that, that are, that tie into some of these priorities, but yeah, we'll, we'll dive into some of these questions. Be um, the first one is, and this is kind of an interesting one, but at what age, you know, should strength training be introduced to uh, youth athletes? Uh, it's, it's not a hard and fast rule by any means, but I think strength training can be introduced as, as early as, you know, maybe five, six years old. Right. And so what, here's the thing I want to define though, is, is when I'm talking about strength training, it's not necessarily resistance training with free weights, right, right. right? Strength training is being able to use your body weight as resistance, being right. able to use a medicine ball as resistance, be, being able to use um, different implements. You know what I mean? So strength training is really, when I talk about strength training for young athletes, it's primarily about just understanding how to control your body. Right. Can you, can you do a bear crawl? Can you do a, can you do a squat? Can you lunge? Can you, can you, uh, can you do a push up? Can you do a pull up? Like little things like that are, or, or it doesn't have to be fancy at all by any means for, for a young athlete. But I, what I'm noticing more and more with youth athletes is that they, they're often a little bit more sedentary. And so a sedentary, they often sit, like they may not be able to have as much free play as maybe you and I, you did as maybe as I did when we were right. a younger. So making them or not making them, but encouraging them to just do some simple body weight exercises um, on a regular basis, sit-ups, planks, um, bear crawls, like I said before, fantastic. Different games and different things that emphasize and teach their body how to move and manipulate their body in different positions just to gain a basic level of strength. By They're not trying to become a powerlifter. Um, right. They're not trying to max out by any means. It's really just trying to get them to understand how can I move my body in a coordinated fashion on a regular basis, right? Your bodies are meant to move. And because our lives have been made so efficient or so easy based on technology and the things that we that we can do. And also, it's also safety related too, is maybe sometimes parents aren't as free willing to get, let their parents, let their children play outside because maybe because it's maybe they're not in a safe environment. Um, right. So strength training is going to be encouraged a little bit more for those kinds of athletes. Now, on the other hand, if you've got athletes who've got young kids who are playing three sports, playing four sports a year round, then they probably don't need that level of development just quite yet. Right. Um, so the answer is going to depend on um, what are they doing? You know, like for like my daughter right now is just playing kind of fall baseball and then she'll get into basketball in a little bit. For her, um, we encourage her to do some strength training twice a week. And it's basically like, a lot of isometrics, getting her to feel her body weight, um, planking, pull-ups, push-ups. Um, it is really low-level stuff, throwing medicine balls, doing some plyometrics, like low-level extra jumping rope um, to get her to become a little bit more athletic because maybe she's not getting the stimulus from different playing another sport during that season. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And I think that that's a, it's a huge reminder that, you know, I think parents automatically think that they need to go right into weights or using uh, equipment or using even like cardio equipment, things like that. Yeah. Um, but the reality is you could just be setting up a, a really simple um, body weight program, right? Yes. And so, but that's interesting because that, you know, it seems young, but if you think about it, like it, it's not really right. And no. um, 
you know, for, for body weight specifically. And I think the other thing too is um, how much of this, and this is maybe just like a, a follow-up question for you, but I mean, not it's not just about the strength aspect either, but also injury prevention, right? Mm. Like as a young kid, um, you know, being able to, to build a resistance. It's the conversation you and I have, have always had about, you know, putting stress in your body and that, that stress response will continue to help you grow, develop and, 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 and be stronger, but maybe it's not necessarily just on the, the muscular side. Maybe it's skeletal, right? Maybe there's other things at play that um, could help prevent injury for a youth athlete, but even just a youth, right? Not even yes. necessarily just an athlete, but just somebody who's young, who's constantly, you know, putting themselves in a situation where maybe injury is a little bit more, you know, maybe a little more injury prone. But um, you know what? One of the best things that the kids to do is go to the jungle gym, like go to a park, yeah. like go to the playground. And like, that is unbelievable strength training. Like I remember watching <laughs> my kids, like just running around, like trying to, trying to go across the monkey bars. Like the first couple of times they fail because their grip isn't strong enough. And then the more right. they do it, that they get, they get better and better. They're not doing a full pull up, but they're getting grip strength. They're getting a traction on their shoulder. So they're developing a little bit more shoulder stability. They're they're getting they're putting their shoulders through a full range of motion. Uh just running around, chasing things, jumping over things. Like that's fantastic low level strength training. And it's gonna help develop the load load their joints, load their bones a little bit so they can get a little bit stronger. Um and just teaching them how to be athletic, but also in a playful environment. Don't ever say, forget that. The play think, the play is huge. Yeah, no, that that I mean, that seems like Putting themselves in that environment where they don't know that they're working out. Yes. Right. I think that that's that's incredible. Um, I've seen a uh, seen some other videos too of like um, some families put together. You've seen that show like Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Like yeah. Ninja Warrior. Right. Oh. So I've seen some parents put together some like some obstacle stuff in the backyard, things like that, and kid will do it a hundred times in a row, right? Because they're they're having fun. But ultimately, I mean, balance, core strength, grip strength, everything that you're talking about is is so included. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great point, B. So, jumping in, back into youth sports, um, something that we've heard from like various coaches and, and some athletes that we've had on on med athletes, um, specializing in one sport. You know, like what at what age, what time frame, and this probably differs for for people based on you know their their timeline and their journey. But do you think that there's a certain time where where players should start to specialize in one sport and kind of dialed in for? Um, you know, both training, coaching, and and adapting and playing in one sport. Yeah, if you look at Isvan Bayi's like long term athletic development model, Isvan Bayi was a uh, he came from the old Soviet uh, nation, and he developed a long term athletic development model that the Soviets would use for their Olympic Olympic development and their athletic development. And what they did was when they were youth athletes, when they were young, when they were know five to ten years old or so they just let them play and they put them in different environments and different um different types of sports so they can develop their and assess their coordination uh hand-eye coordination foot-eye coordination whether they're going to be a track and field athlete or a soccer player or basketball player and when they got a little bit older so like 10 or 12 they started to put them into different sports um and try to treat really teach them the fundamentals of the game and then as they got older and older, then they started to develop their competitiveness within a certain sport. And basically, we came up with this long-term athletic development model and said that you shouldn't really specialize in sports until you're about 
14 to 16 years old, maybe even a little bit later than that. But that's usually the the area where kids are in high school. Kids are starting to figure out whether they're going to you know play further on past high school, if not. Right. Um, and so that's the typical age group when you should should specialize maybe in within one sport. So I'd say anywhere from 14 to 16 years old. So high school age. Um, if you look at the long-term athletic development, USA Hockey, and you might be familiar with this too, apply that same model to USA Hockey to try to help them um, produce better hockey athletes across or around the world. And I don't remember when they started doing this. It might have been the early 2000s when they started to implement this model because they realized that a lot of hockey athletes were specializing too early. Right. And they changed the way they would structure their their coaching education to try to help them understand the, the benefits of practicing more so than playing games. Um, I don't know if it's been widely adopted because I think well, hockey is still one of those sports that a lot of people still specialize early in. Um, but they would like they'd encourage more small sided games and they try to yeah. tell the coaches that they would you'd get more puck touches in a practice in a small area game than you would just by playing full ice games. Right. Um so that definitely is, has had a trickle down effect, but also an emphasis on off ice training to get them to understand how to develop all these other athletic abilities that they might not get, um, which will make them better hockey players. So I think it's a um it's a unique situation, especially in America. It's in a capitalistic model of sports where everybody's trying to monetize sports. Um, I think we are seeing an epidemic where a lot of athletes, parents too, encourage at young athletes to specialize a little bit too early. And um, what you'll notice is sometimes you might create the, what we call pattern overload and you start developing these same patterns, which we can be, make them more efficient um, at performing their skills, but can also do their body harm because you keep doing the same things over and over again. You develop the same muscle groups. You're never developing the opposite muscle groups. You're never getting out of those positions, um, which can help free up some joints, free up some muscle tissue, but also um, give those give those joints and give those particular muscles just a break, right? Because you, right. Like, you're going to just get fatigued and overworked, and then you're going to be more susceptible to being injured. Um, I can tell you a story like my, you know, like my son um, loves baseball. Like that's the sport he wants to play in. He's got a lot of teammates that he's played with that have kind of specialized early within baseball. And although there's not a lot, but there's been some Tommy John's cases with some of these with some of these pitchers. Um, and they're like 11 or 12 years old. Like that is that's that's beyond too much. Like there we've there's cases of stress fractures in their spine because they're rotating so much and they're not muscularly developed enough to be able to handle that stress or that force or they're not mobile enough or because you know they haven't been taught how to stretch they haven't been taught how to move appropriately because they lack the stability because they're still growing um so they just move incorrectly and they don't move optimally and so they're just putting more stress and strain on their body than they can actually tolerate right so i i think it's an issue i think it's a problem but it, it's one of those it's it's difficult because these youth coaches and youth clubs they make a lot of money and they say, "Hey, if you want to spot on the spring team, you got to play now. You know, if you want to make if you want to make the next falls team, then you've got to play summer hockey, or you got to play, you know, in the spring season when it's just a non traditional season. So it's it's tough because the kids want to play with their friends. Um, they want they want to make a particular team. They want to be everybody wants to be on an elite team. Um, everybody wants to be on this club team. But you got to realize that there's not enough talent to go around to to be able to." 
make all these clubs competitive enough. So um, I do. I think we specialize too early. Um, I, if anybody's listening to this and the parent, they're thinking about it. Like I would highly encourage your 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 children to play other sports. They can love one sport. That's fine. I'm not saying that. And they can work on their skills, but you don't need to play the same sport year round competitively by any means. Right. You, there's no, you can definitely work on your skills in the off season. But um, if you look at, I remember I did a presentation on this uh, years ago. If you look at the best athletes in football, baseball, basketball, even even hockey, like the, the major sports, every single one of them played multiple, not every single one of them, but the majority of them had played multiple sports all the way through high school. Like I remember LeBron James was like an all-state wide receiver too. Receiver, yeah. It, um, like there's been multiple football players that have been drafted by the MLB <laughs> and vice versa. Um, oh, like Kyler Murray, right? Kyler Murray was, you know, won the Heisman, but he was drafted by the Oakland A's. Um, one of my good friends who... Um, was one of the best athletes in the state of Connecticut, Scott Burrell. Um, he was drafted in the first round in the NBA and Major League Baseball. Wow. That's you know, cool. and that was years ago. And um, it's, you'll see that a lot. Of, we've had Devontae's on here too, right? Devon's one of the best, uh, best NHL players. And uh, he played baseball all the way up until through high school. You know, some of yeah. the best athletes that we have um, right down to, they played multiple sports, whether it be lacrosse and hockey, uh baseball and hockey, a golf, right? They, there's just, there's so many benefits that you can get from playing other sports too, learning how to think differently, learning how to train your body a little bit differently too, um, developing competitive spirit, also developing spatial awareness, IQ. Like there's so many good things from playing other sports that sometimes you may not realize in the moment, but you may later on down the road. And you might enjoy something that you didn't know that you might enjoy, right? I think exactly. One of my favorite moments. We would usually kind of, you know, recommend that some of the athletes go play lacrosse in the spring um, and get away from hockey, so they can kind of miss hockey, miss the rink a little bit. But uh, one season, I had a group of Bantams, and they all decided they're going to play soccer, and um, it was hilarious. I went out to one of the games, and <laughs> you know, just watch, you know, because they're just like punting the ball back and forth up in the field, you know, up and down the field, and. Every now and then they'll get like a lucky shot on that and score, but it was hilarious. But they legitimately enjoyed it, and they never played soccer. You know, some of them played soccer kind of growing up together. You know, like there's a one dad on the team that they used to coach in soccer, but um, I would say like 75 percent of them didn't have soccer experience, like legitimate, you know, team experience, and they all played as well. It was, it was, they just really enjoyed it. In addition to you know being able to have all those benefits that you mentioned, um. One thing before we jump into the next question, I think USA Hockey, you know, I used to not enjoy USA Hockey from the coaching perspective when I first became a coach. And then over time, I like started to peel back some of my layers of, of this is an organization that's doing a ton of research and providing that research to us, right? So I started to appreciate it more and more over time. But what's interesting, and I found this on, you know, some of these, uh, I was doing a little bit of research. Does baseball, does literally have anything like that? In terms of not, a governing body for coaches and certifications and things like that, not that I'm aware of, and they desperately need it because yeah, it is fascinating to me. Yeah, it is an epidemic. And here's the other, uh, the flip side of it, right? It, the other flip side of it is that you can look at like what what population plays the uh, plays in the MLB the most, right? Like Latin America, right? Like there's a lot of Latin Americans that play uh, in Major League Baseball. Guess what? All they play is baseball. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So like that's a flip side of the argument right. too is, you know, people from Puerto Rico, people from the Dominican is they play baseball nearly year round. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't really play other sports. 
So that's the other side of the equation too is, is um, you know, baseball is another sport. Like if you want to get good, you need a lot of practice. Right? Because when you play in a game, you're not getting a lot of reps. What's interesting, and it's funny, you just mentioned that. You think of all these two-sport athletes that we like, LeBron, Kyler, I mean, Mookie Betts. I mean, I saw a video of, of Mookie the other day. It was like strikes, slam dunks, home runs. And, you know, he's just like an incredible athlete. You you rarely see like these videos of Latin baseball players playing other sports or being a good overall athlete, right? It's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. Um, the last question that kind of ties a little bit into it in terms of like, you know, you mentioned turning into more of a capitalistic monetization heavy type of industry with, with youth sports. Um, something that's been huge. And I've been a private instructor. I've been a team coach. And I, so I kind of been on both sides, but I'm, you know, I'm not a parent. So there's a few things that I feel like a little bit of context that I miss out on, but you know, you have two youth athletes is private instruction, something that you guys consider have done, but what is your take on the role of private instruction outside of, of, you know, the team coaching setting? We have done it. We've done some private instruction through, um, for my son, through the same organization that he plays for. So his coach actually does some private lessons too. So we've done that. And that's only been recently. And he's 13 years old. So prior to that, we've done very little private instruction outside of um, maybe like some some strength conditioning work um, that he's done with some friends. Right. Do I think it's necessary? I think at some point to be able to build confidence and to get specific repetitions, because sometimes it's hard in a practice for a coach to be able to watch every single individual right. to get the attention that they deserve. And um, a, a thought process on how I coach and what, like, what I kind of believe in is if you just did practice, you're setting yourself up to be average, right? You're doing the bare minimum. Um, but when you do extra work, is when you start to invest a little bit more time on your own skill set. Okay, so you're saying like team practice. Yes, right? If you're just participating in team practice. Yeah, yeah like, so like if you just go to team practice, you're doing what's expected of you, right? You're doing the you're doing the bare minimum, you're doing the average. Um, but at some point, if you really care about your own personal development, that you need to invest more time on yourself. Right. And that could be, maybe that's by yourself. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's just you working on if you're a basketball player, working on shooting, working on ball handling, working on um, um, shooting off the dribble. If if that's if you're a hockey player, stick handling on your own, or shooting pucks in your driveway, like that's extra individual work. Um, at some point, you might want another set of eyes on you, and that's when you know these private sessions may come into play. I don't think you need to do it if you're an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old, right. like where, cause, cause it's not about that. It's just about having fun. It's right. learning how to compete. It's, it's the social side of sport. But at some point, maybe when you do get to become a teenager, you get to become a middle schooler and you start to take your sport just a little bit more seriously right before you're entering high school, some private lessons might be, might be a missing key to help you, you know, unlock some skill potential and le- learn a different technique that you might need. Um, but by no means do I think it's necessary for everybody. Um, if you have the intrinsic motivation to be able to get work done on your own, get it done on your own. You know what I mean? Because sometimes when you work with a private instructor or an individual coach so much, what I found is sometimes you become too robotic, right? right. And you just think robotically um, and you want everything to be perfect. But guess what? Like when you play a game, nothing is going to be perfect. 
Mm -hmm. It's like when you go out to the driving range, right? You showed me videos. Like you go out to the driving range, you could probably hit a ball like 250, 300 yards, and it's going to be straight. When you get onto the course, it is completely different. It is it's, completely, it's, it's not even the same. No, it's, it's not at all. And actually, I saw this video and, um, you know, when you, when you're, when you're driving from a driving range or, or just hitting from driving range, you know, you're basically kind of given this crutch because there's opportunities where like you might swing wet out of the ball, but because of the balance of, of the turf that you're on, you know, like you, you could be hitting them square every time, but it's not like that on the course for sure. But everything that you mentioned is so true. I think there's a place for it, but it, you know, almost, um, Almost at a, at a moment where, where, you know, like you mentioned, going to big gears, um, maybe if there's something going wrong, you know, like um, there's a big weakness in game. I think that that's, you know, like I'm thinking back to ice hockey and a lot of players, like they don't focus on their skating until, you know, much later. And um, I think power skating is like one of the most impactful things in my game that I did when I was younger. Um, and so there's a, there's a place for it, but I also think what you're talking about is so true where, there's there's a lot that you can do on your own. I think taking private lessons could probably help you build a playbook and build some understanding into what you need to work on. But maybe it doesn't need to be you know every other day. I think a, a lot of it can be done um, you know from your house on your own. But gain a big understanding of you know what are your strengths and weaknesses. Get that that um, analysis that you mentioned, and then you know make sure that these trainers are like helping you build the playbook that can be taken home. Yes. I think that's one of the biggest things. I hate when like when I hear parents were like, they need to do this six weeks with us and then they got to do another, you know, four weeks and then come back for camps and clinics. Money grab. <laughs> and so I'm just like, well, what are you like, you know, can they, can they provide you something to, to work on at home? Or, I mean, when parents come to me and it's, you know, 12 and under, I'm like, if you're not shooting hundreds of bucks a day, then, you know, I think we're missing out on the biggest loving fruit that you guys guys have when it comes to training and, and getting better. But, um, but B, yeah, that's huge. I think it's it's interesting to hear from your, coaching background experience, but also from your context as a parent too, because it's something that you guys are, are li yeah. living through right now. Um, I think there's one other thing. Yeah, yeah. One thing I want to add with that too, is I think um, this is just an opinion of mine. It, it's sometimes what I've noticed and what I've seen is that some of these kids become so overscheduled. They become so overscheduled that they lose the ability to understand what to do with their own free time or how to best utilize their free time, which in my opinion, I, I don't know if there's research on this, but I think that's where you develop your creativity. That's where you develop your ability to make plays and do different things that add a, fin a part, of, you know, like not a finesse, but they add a element to your game that becomes unique, right? If you saw the same trainer that I saw, I don't, that's not developing any uniqueness to our games, right? Right. We're going to develop the same skills. You're going to do the same, maybe probably the similar drills that I'm going to do. So how is that developing our artistry, our creativity to perform our tasks and skills that fit our body, that fit the way that we see the see the game or see the ice? If we're going to talk ice, yeah. And, and it's, when you when you say that, you know, thinking back to when I was a kid, um, that creativity comes from playing with your friends, you know, yes. like free ice time in the streets, even playing video games and watching hockey. Like we're watching hockey religiously, so we're able to pick up things there. So yeah, I think that a, a lot of it too is, you know, not being so structured. I think that that's, of course, structure is good, especially when you're talking about like league play. But um, one of the biggest things we learned in USA hockey is like, you know, sometimes you got to take the coach out of it, you know, mm -hmm. for them to for them to learn, grow, and develop in a way that is effective. And I think that that's kind of counterintuitive with a lot of the way that 
most yeah. people and maybe parents think right in today's world. But um, great conversation, B. I think this is really helpful for for youth parents. Just as a reminder, especially you know we we have a ton in our community where they're kind of you know kids are hitting this age where it's like, do we specialize? Do we need yeah. instructors? I think it's a it's a good reminder to to hear some of these uh, insights from you directly. But appreciate the insight. Thanks, Drew. Talk soon, B.